Hello, Corky Crime Sisters here. Hello. So our show contains graphic content, so please, listeners, be advised. I got our drink. Got our drink. Okay. Okay. Oh. <laughs> We're okay. I'm here. Hi. Hi. I made Hi. it to the show. You made it. To- <laughs> Do you see how much my like microphone stand is just ravishing this TV tray? Like, <laughs> yes. I, I can literally swivel in. It's not supposed to move. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's eating it for sure. It's fine. They're from a garage sale. Yeah. You're good. Yeah. We can always refinish them. They got, I got cords on cords. It's fine. Hello. Hi. Hi. Welcome. Welcome. Hey, hello. Hi. <laughs> Happy late Thanksgiving, everybody. Um, Sorry we didn't record last week. We were enjoying all the foods. Yeah, we could not figure out what time. We, we were really couldn't. Coma. Yep, no. It was It just was not happening. But we're here this week. We're actually going to drop two episodes this week. Ooh. Ooh. Get ready. So it's Monday. You're getting Get your one today. Ooh. And then we'll drop one on our normal Friday as well. Yeah. Yeah. Get your podcast pants on. Yeah. <laughs> podcast <laughs> pants party. Put your pants on. No. no. Okay. Uh, anyway, we are the podcast where two sisters actually like to hang out with each other. Mm-hmm. Even extra this week. Even extra this week. Uh, we like to talk about some of the super lockdown shit. Oh, like the most notorious peeps. Like, the most oh, notorious oh, peeps. I'm so excited. <laughs> um and have an adult beverage or two or three or four or the coffees or whatever we feel like today because it's monday and no one knows what the fuck is going on on mondays no and it's like super early still i went to look at my wrist like i had my watch on and i was like oh your wrist my wrist (laughs) my little wrist i don't think i'm awake yet yeah that sleepy chick over there is taylor and that like way too alive chick this morning is nikki Hey, I just, I was like, we got to get this recording done. I got to go to the dentist. Like. Yeah, what time you got to go to the dentist? I'm going to be there at one. Oh, that's not too bad. I'm not excited. I don't like dentist. It's fine. No. I need my teethers taken care of. (laughs) It's fine. It's fine. (laughs) Um, so. Anyway, oh my gosh, I have a little quick corkscrew. Yes. I thought you'd find this funny. So I was at our store working the other day, and it was Black Friday. Okay. Had a great day. Lots of people. Um, the, one of the last sales of the day was this group that came in, and the it was two ladies and a guy, and they were looking in the front window, and I was like, oh, would you guys like to see something out of there? And one of the ladies is like, yeah, yeah, that, that over there. And I was like, okay. So I go over, and I'm like, what would you like to see? And she's like, oh, the blue thing. And I was like, oh, okay, like, what are we, are we talking? maybe like the opal because that's normally what people yeah. are pointing at and i'm like okay so i open it and i was like what, what, what did you want to see and she's all the blue thing and i was like okay was it like a necklace earrings you know just trying to get out of her like right. what it, what blue thing do you want and the guy finally came over and he was like god karen i think she was looking at these and he but her real name was karen oh no <laughs> and 
she was just being difficult. And I was like, yeah, Karen, Jeez. knock your shit off. I don't know what the blue thing is, Karen. I don't know what the blue thing you want is, Karen. Give me more specifics. Oh, my God. I think that's, like, the most social anxiety-inducing part of our job is when we're trying to mime through, like, the window <laughs> of, like, what they're trying to describe. I don't even do that anymore. I literally walk outside with them. And oh, I, I make do them too. show me from the outside what they were looking at. Because nine times out of ten, people will think they're very knowledgeable, mm-hmm. which some people are. But other people will be like, I want to look at this. And it's like the totally wrong stone. And I'm like, okay. okay I'm not going to say anything, but okay. Yep, like- <laughs> yep, exactly. So anyway, I just thought it was funny but that her actual name was Karen and she was being a Karen. That's awesome. <laughs> the blue thing. Was it an opal? Yeah. 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 But it's just funny to me. I'm like, all right, Karen. Please, Karen, Ugh. chill out. Anyway. Um, yeah. What are we, what are we, oh yeah, today, today, we're going to be talking about Supermax crimes. <laughs> today, 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 today. I got stuck. <laughs> today yeah. we are talking about Supermax crimes. Because this is a weird subset that I find super interesting. Oh, subset? Oh, subset. I thought you were trying to say subject and it came out of subset and I was like, huh? You know what that's called <sighs> when you stumble over your words like that? What? Our family calls it lancidiosis because yeah. usually our dad starts it and then once you're around him, it's just downhill. Except I haven't been around dad, but it's just ingrained in my mind. <laughs> my, my mind, my mind, around. It's in your DNA. Oh, it's going to be a long day. I feel it already. You need to drink already. It is like the most Monday Monday <laughs> right now. All right, Taylor, what are we drinking this week? We are drinking just to make a little ultra. Yeah. Making it easy. Didn't want to get too cray cray. No. Taylor also has a peach Red Bull. I also have a coffee. That's because, again, like I said, it's Monday. It's Monday. <sighs> All right, you want to crack that shit open? Crack that shit. Crack that shit. Ready. Oh, that like got on my nose. <laughs> Every time I open these, listen to the sparkles. Nope. Oh, thank you. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Refreshing. Refresh on. Refresh on. Refresh on. Okay, who goes? Oh, my God. I almost threw up when I burped. <laughs> that sounded so nasty. <laughs> like, that wasn't just a burp. Like, I heard the liquid come up oh. as well. Oh, man. That was like regurgitated Michelob. That was weird. That's disgusting. Ew. 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 <laughs> Sorry, listeners, that you had to experience that with me. It's going great. <laughs> it's Monday, baby. Monday. Um, okay, who's going first? You, I think. Moi? You, moi. Moi? It is you. Ooh, ooh. I'm excited to see what you drudged up. Oh, don't you worry. I gotta put in the right password to get into my computer first, <laughs> and then I'll let you know. No okay. one can get into your computer. That bitch is like, that password's stupid. Which is so funny because it's like literally my password for everything else, so I don't understand how you guys can never just type it in. There's nothing special about it. There's no caps or anything. Like, I just, it's... Oh, there's no cap? No. <laughs> is that what you've been doing wrong this whole time? I think so. <laughs> okay, well. Because both mine and mom's computer has the capital on the first letter. Mine never made me do that, and so I didn't do it. I guess it's cut so corkscrew once more really fast. Our roommate and his girlfriend broke up. So my boyfriend, while he was super drunk yesterday, because he kept he he was like dead set that I roofied him. I don't know why. He was like, Why am I so drunk? But it's just because I was making him like I he drank like half a bottle of whiskey. That's why he was so drunk. Shit. But uh She was trying to get laid, y'all. <laughs> I was, but then by the time we went to bed, he like grabbed my boob and I was like, No. <laughs> 
laying <laughs> here now. my boob. <laughs> Oh, that's drunk I like, on her. I like that that's your foreplay. He yeah. grabs your boob. It was like on top. He was just like, well, and it was, he was trying to like tell me to get him food. So he just like grabbed my boob. And I was like, no, <laughs> I'm laying get, down now. Grab, grabbing a boob and asking for food is your foreplay. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like us, right? Oh, I love it. Okay. But, uh, and his drunken stupor decided to change the, the code, code to yeah. our front door. Our front door is one of those coded ones. There's no key. And he didn't tell my roommate, so he couldn't get in. He didn't tell you. You can get in. He just, like, locked everybody out. <laughs> like, <laughs> I know. He gave it to me this morning, though. Um, okay. Are we ready for this shit? Yeah. Okay. Boom. Supermax. Here we go. Let's do it. Okay. So there is... Um, I don't want to start with that one. Never mind. Okay. So uh, Thomas... <laughs> Thomas Silverstein. That's who... <laughs> I went to hand her a beverage and my hand got caught up in my microphone. Microphone wires. <laughs> this is so loud. Okay, it is. You're loud anyway. It's fine. It's true. So Thomas Silverstein was born in Long Beach, California on February 4th, 1952 to Virginia Conway. She had divorced his father while she was still pregnant with him. Okay. Okay. All right. So she married a man named Thomas Conway. He Tomas. claimed, huh? Thomas. Thomas. There's two Thomases in this, so Tomas, I'll try not Tomas. to. For the sake of the episode, my gentleman will be Thomas, and the and his father will be Tom. Okay. Cool. So a man named Tom Conway. He claimed the baby as his own, but his. He So Tom was claiming the baby. Like, yep. when they got together, he was like, it's fine. I'm going to claim him. He's my son. What a good dad. Exactly. Well, then uh, Thomas's mom ended up divorcing him as well. Oh. Yeah, she decided she didn't like him anymore either. Um, she could not make up her mind. No, this, this bitch is a revolving door. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Automatic even, it seems like. <laughs> right? It just keeps going. <laughs> you don't even have to push it. Um, so... <laughs> So she, and then she ended up marrying Sid Silverstein, who eventually ended up adopting Thomas. Okay. Yeah. So it's a little, his upbringing got a little convoluted with guys in his mom's life and fathers. So. Oh, no. He's he, like six fathers. Yeah, right. <laughs> Three, really. I'm being dramatic, but it's okay. Fathers squared. Yeah. <laughs> Never mind. Okay. I was going to be stupid. Okay. Um, anyway, he was described as shy and awkward. And was bullied as a child mainly because he was mistaken for being Jewish, which is bullshit anyway. Like, I mean, you shouldn't be picking on somebody due to their religion, but he wasn't actually even Jewish, and they were picking on him for it anyway. Kids are evil. Kids are so mean. They're like, ugh. They're so mean. Okay. Like, I, everyone's trying to do this, like, end bullying movement. I don't know if you can. Like, I hate to be that way, but just like, I mean, it's a good thought and it's a good, like, you know, we're not saying, like, don't try to stop it. But at the same time, I don't know. I don't know if you're able to. Everybody went. I think everybody's gone through it at this point. I think so, unfortunately. And, I mean, I went through it as a child and it's vicious. Got called mushroom head a lot when I would have bangs. Oh, well, that's mean. Must look to, like, Hiroshima or whatever it is with the big (laughs) only solution. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So... Thomas told his mom and his mom basically was like, well, fight back. And she said that if she didn't, if he didn't fight back, then she would give him another beating when he got home. So she was literally like ingraining in her son, 
you need to fight for, you need to stand up for yourself. But she took it a step further. Like, not just stand up for yourself, but if you don't beat them up, like, when you come home, I'm going to beat you up. Jesus, this woman. So she took it a a little too far, I believe. I mean, I'm all for, like, stand your ground and stand up for yourself. But anyway. Mm. Yeah. He said, quote, that's how my mom was. She stood her mud. If someone came at you with a bat, you got your bat and you both went at it, end quote. Okay. Yep. Um. Yep. That's that's just how his mom was. Okay. As you can imagine, that led to him being put into a Cali Youth Authority reformatory when <laughs> he was only 14. Yep. Yeah. So again, because she took a, t- a step further, he grew up being like, okay, this is a life of violence and it's okay. Yeah, this is what And I this know. is what I have to do. Oh, I hit my microphone. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> you just cradled it so gently. Cradled it gently and said sorry. <laughs> uh, okay, where was I at? <laughs> he did say that this place only reinforced his violence and, quote, anyone not willing to fight was abused, end quote. So... See, I have so many thoughts. You do because of the work you're in literally in a youth correction yes but like when i hear of other youth corrections that's not us like it is so like ten thousand percent zero tolerance for any hands-on at our place yeah when i hear about other places they're doing like whatever they want like genuinely it's just a place just to be there yeah like you're literally just another person passing through until it's time for you to go like they don't really care like that's what it feels like yeah. i mean some of them like there's levels right so there's like the jails that are youth jails that they literally don't give a shit they're like whatever you get you literally just sit in your cell all day or go watch tv or read whatever yeah then there's like other places that are supposed to be like us but they're not very strict and so there's fights or like one kid just came from there and he was like yeah my ua is gonna be hot just so you know and it's like it just yeah i don't know it's like, what What are you guys doing to help monitor if obviously he's walking in with a hot UA when he's not supposed to? Right. And he's been in your care. It's not like he's been on the street. He's been in your care. Been in, like, yeah, literally, yeah. In your facility. Yeah. It's crazy. So he continued in um, on his bad path and at 19 was sentenced to four years for committing armed robbery and was sent to San Quintino. San Ooh. Quintino? Quintino, yeah. Yeah. Once paroled, he was at it again, and this time he got his father, Tom Conway, and his cousin, Gerald Hoff, and the trio committed three armed robberies. Oh, my God. Right. What the heck? I know. Uh, They got less than 11,000, and he was sentenced to 15 years and sent to the United States Penitentiary in Leavenworth, Kansas. So for three armed robberies, he got 15 years in jail. Wow. Yeah. Five years for each one, my dude. Probably, yeah. Right. During his time in Leavenworth, Thomas became a member of the Aryan Brotherhood. Ooh, they, you don't fuck with Aryan Brotherhood. So I was just going to get into that. So the Aryan Brotherhood, Ooh. also known as Brand or the AB, is a neo-Nazi prison gang that was started in 1964 in San Quentin uh, State Prison. It is estimated to have 300 full members and another 15 to 20 members in and out of prison. They're scary. Yeah. Their crimes consist of murder, assault, Drug trafficking, robbery, gambling, extortion, con, con- drink, contact, con. God damn it! Okay, take a second, reset. <laughs> Contract killing. Oh wow, Oof, that, that was tough. That was tough. Oof. Racketeering, arms trafficking, inmate prostitution, human trafficking, and dog fighting. They're scary. So, and this is all like in prison. 
It's amazing what they can do. Like, and they're doing this from, in. it's crazy. Oh, yeah. I'll get into, like, another prison my, game. My mind is blown. Um, It's fine. I just, I knew these sorts of things existed, obviously, but I wasn't aware of how extensive it is, especially when these people are in prison and they can still make these things happen. We're not doing a lot of, like... It's crazy to me. We are, but we're not. Like, yeah. I, I just... It's crazy. Anyway, so due to being a part of the AB, in 1980, Thomas murdered a fellow inmate named Danny Atwal for refusing to be a heroin drug mule inside the prison. Hmm. Now, wow. really quickly before we go on, even though I think at some point I maybe put this, but I would like to point out that his crimes, Thomas's crimes did not exceed like they didn't get to murder and stuff like that till no. he was actually inside prison oh he did armed robbery but nobody ever died yeah. and it wasn't until he went into prison so i just you know we'll have more of a discussion on that later but yeah that's um, what we're saying isn't it it's crazy institutionalization man yeah so for this he was sentenced to life without parole and transferred to the united states penitentiary in marion illinois which at the same time was also a high-security prison. Mm -hmm. The conviction ended up being overturned as the jailhouse informant lied on the stand. So he ended up not... He, so he's no longer on, you know, in life without parole. Right. So just a year later, Thomas and another inmate named Clayton Fountain were accused of the murder of Robert Chappelle. <laughs> Chappelle. <laughs> Dave Chappelle show? Chappelle? It might have been his brother. <laughs> who was a member of the dc blacks prison gang there are so many so many there was a list it was crazy i can show you my gang packet later oh i'm sure so both men were convicted and both received an additional life sentence although thomas always maintained his innocence so in this case he was like no i really did not do this and he was not one due to his upbringing to like back down from something that he, you know if he did it he was like yeah i did it what? right this is my life. What? I do it. So I always found that interesting that he was like, no, I did not do this. Um, during this time, the leader of the D.C. Blacks prison gang was conveniently transferred to the USP, which is United States Penitentiary, mm -hmm. in Marion. His name was Raymond Cadillac Smith. <laughs> Cadillac. I love prison names. I know. Cadillac. Cadillac Smith. Cadillac Smith. Sounds so luxurious. <laughs> luxurious. Don't pretend like my hair ain't luxurious. Because you know what is. <laughs> okay. Love me some Cat Williams. I know. What happened to your ear? Excuse me. That was gross. At least you didn't throw up. You got like a cut there. Oh, I think it was just like a, a pimple. Oh, sorry. Yeah. I just called you out in front of millions of people. It's fine. I'm good now, though. Okay. Back to the story. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, where was I at? Oh, yeah. So he got, so Cadillac Smith got transferred. Thomas said, quote, I tried to tell Cadillac that I didn't kill Chappelle, but he didn't believe me and he bragged that he was going to kill me, end quote. He also said, quote, everyone knew what was going on and no one did anything to keep us apart. The guards wanted us to kill the other one. I believe that in some places. Yes. So again, like, you know, it's, it's kind of crazy, but. I believe it in some places. There so, are some corrupted cop or cops. That too. But some corrupted prison guard people. I'm sure. And you yeah. get to play God. I mean, if you really think about it. Yeah. I mean, you, you control everything. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's insane. So 
In the end, Thomas and Clayton killed Cadillac with weapons that they made. They stabbed him 67 times. Oh, Cadillac Smith. Uh-huh. And after they finished stabbing him, they drug his body up and down one of the catwalks to make sure that the other prisoners saw what had happened. Oof. Right? Can you imagine? So they were like, yeah, look what happens when you fuck with us, basically. It's like showing off their trophy. But Yeah. And it's... It, it really, does it not make you think of, like, the animal world when, like, they, you know? Oh, yeah. It's crazy. They're, like... But that's the thing is they treat them like animals and then they turn into animals. I'm not saying that they didn't do things to be put there to begin with, but... That's what I'm saying. Institutionalization's you know? a huge thing. I mean, even... I mean, granted, I, I still stand behind my program, but even they have, like, some aspects of it of you don't snitch, you can't be called a bitch, you know... You stand up for yourself when these things happen. So it's like, I don't know. It's a different, yeah, it's a different thinking. Yeah, and when you get out of there, it's what you're used to is you have to change it. Yeah. (sighs) So for this, Thomas received another life sentence. And then this is where shit gets a little even crazier, if you can believe it. Jesus. In 1983, Thomas killed correction officer Merle Klutz. He used a shank and stabbed him over a dozen times. He later claimed that it was due to Klutz deliberately harassing and that Klutz had destroyed, uh, oh, and then at one point he also destroyed uh, Thomas's painting. So, like, he was, like, keeping himself busy and painting and this, he claims this prison guard was just, more, like, harassing him nonstop and destroying his stuff and so he killed him. Huh. Yeah. You know. Was it, like, a sharpened toothbrush? Didn't say, just said shank. I love that is one thing that's so interesting is when you see prisoners are some of the, this sounds crazy, but like smartest humans. They're so innovative. And the shit that they like create to do regular things in life is insane. Like shanks or whatever. Yeah. But even if you've watched any like the shows where they do kites and they talk through like the tubes of the toilet and like the stuff they come up with, it's insane. I'm like the everyday stuff and you name off shank. I'm like, you just carry a shank around with you. Well, I mean like No, but they you they use everyday items to make to make things. Yeah. Or like if I want a knife, I have a knife. They have a shank. Like, you know. Yeah, 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 yeah. Or I've wa- I've literally watched shows where they like melt down crayons to make makeup and just Crazy. It's insane. Like Carousel. Yeah. So later that same day, Clinton used the same shake shank excuse me to kill another corrections officer robert hoffman due to these two murders the usp marion was placed on an indefinite lockdown which lasted for 23 years oh my god that's not just yeah that's not a lockdown you changed your security well indefinite lock. yeah yeah jesus right oh it gets crazier just you wait so thomas was then transferred to usp atlanta where he is where he was placed in solitary confinement and uh literally in his status it was no human contact oof yeah he was like locked down done yeah done done he was eventually moved back to leavenworth where he stayed for 18 years um i did read that there was some sketchy shit that happened in atlanta but i didn't feel like it was pertinent to put it in okay but um there was some there was like some drug something or other that happened there and then that's why they transferred him back yeah i you know i keep hearing you say like 18 years 23 years and that doesn't sound like a lot but then i'm like that's almost my whole life for sure when you put it in terms like that yeah yeah a hundred percent 
Okay, so <laughs> I love where I can see where you copied and pasted because it like went from like a normal like, yes uniform well, because font this to is because it's a um. Well, I did a I I copied and pasted a quote, and then yeah. after that, it changed my font. <laughs> so that's what happened. Uh, anyway, so the murder that ha- so the murders that had been committed on the two corrections officers back in 1983 inspired the design of the Supermax Prison. USP Florence ADX, which is conveniently located here in Colorado. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's where my crime is. Right. That's why I was like, let me go first. So my dude was partly responsible for them oh. doing the design of this one because so of cool. how he was able to kill a guard um, in a in a high security prison. Right. So if they were like, okay, if we're creating a supermax, we're going to use that as an example of what went wrong there to ensure that that doesn't happen here. Oh. And that's how it, they helped create the, or well, that's where they got the idea for some of the design behind what's cool. here. Yeah. That's why I was like, just you wait, let me go first for sure. I'm sorry that two so. guards died for it, but that's kind of yeah. cool. So the, the Supermax here was built in 1994 and has been home to some of the most dangerous inmates of all time. Mm-hmm. In 2005, when USP Leavenworth was downgraded to a medium security facility, uh, they moved Thomas then here to the Supermax in Colorado. Okay. So he, his crimes helped design it and he ended up getting moved to it. You get to be a part of your creation. Yeah. Well, this is where it gets even crazier. So as of now, Thomas was the longest held prisoner in solitary confinement in the U.S. He was locked up 23 hours a day Mm -hmm. and spent 36 years this way. Which, like you were just saying, I mean, I'm not 36, but um, like my entire life. Right. Spent in solitary confinement. Yeah. It's insane. And like a lot of people rally, uh, a lot of people rally for like not like activists hate it which i get because it's like one of the worst forms of punishment you could do on a human Mm -hmm. because our mind literally reacts so it's funny that you say that because uh so thomas started trying to be an advocate for people not having to be in solitary confinement because of that right um i think It said Thomas claimed over the years in solitary confinement that the no human contact meant that he would be tortured due to killing a corrections officer. A Bureau of Prisons officer said, um, when an inmate kills a guard, you must, he must be punished. He also said, we can't execute Silverstein, so we have no choice but to make his life a living hell. Otherwise, other inmates will kill guards too. So they literally make an example of them. They make their life a living hell. They torture them, essentially, because they can't kill them. Right. Which I think to a certain extent, like, again, don't do something to be put in Supermax 4. But at the same time, this kind of goes back to what I was saying earlier. He was put in jail for crimes that did not... That were not murder. Right. But then it progressed into that because of the be kill, like kill or be killed mentality Mentality, that happens there. Again, he didn't have to join a, you know, the Aryan Brotherhood. But it just goes to show like the life that they live once they go in there. And, you know, again, I'm not saying by any means that he was right for anything that anybody that he killed. But at the same time, it just makes me wonder, like, if the system was set up differently would this would those things have ever have happened? Absolutely. I mean, the retributionist in me says, yeah, he should be in solitary confinement, right? But the psychologist in me says, like, oh, he's fucked. But again, he's not ever getting out. So it's like, I don't know. 
it's rough. But when you look at, and I might have already talked about this, but the prisons with the lowest recidivism rates, one of them is in Norway. Mm-hmm. Like, less than 2% or something. It's fucking insane. Yeah. But the whole, like, the cell is, like, beautiful. It's like a little apartment. You have a TV. Nope. It's fine. It's fine. It's going to be all right. <laughs> all right. Hold on. Jack Wagon! You're doing so good! So, yeah, you were saying that they end up having, like, a really nice cell and, yes. you know, they're treated more, I guess, like a human? I, I, don't <laughs> I mean, I don't know if that's even the right way to say it, but. Somewhere along those lines, sure, yes. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, another inmate said that during his time in Leavenworth that he became, quote, a legend. Also, quote, he said, he is not as bad as the as they portray. Sure, he is a da- he is the he is a danger. Oh my god, I'm struggling today. They push him to the wall, but they were there were some dirty rotten guards in Marion. That's what I'm saying. Uh Thomas even said that he didn't enter the system as a killer, but he learned to hate. Yeah. So that's what I was, you know. Quote, the the intensity in here is cultivated by the guards. They feed the beast that lingers within all of us, end quote. He did try to take his unfair treatment to the courts, however, they felt that his solitary confinement wasn't cruel and unusual punishment. And he ended okay. up dying at the age of 67 due to heart complications. Hmm. So, but again, it just kind of goes back to the, where do we draw the line? Obviously, don't commit crimes. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Like, don't don't go and be an armed robber. But at the same time, if you're getting put into a system where your whole life, well, his whole life he's been taught, like, Again, kill or be killed, essentially. Right. And then when he goes into the prison system, it's like, yeah, he they they made it even worse. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I have, I'm really, this case had me torn on, like, how to feel. Normally, I'm like, oh, you're a straight piece of shit. You suck. You deserve it. In this case, I'm like, right. you are a piece of shit, but I feel like you wouldn't, he wouldn't have been as extreme if things were set up differently in the system. I don't know. Well, that's why it's so important to intervene at, like, those lower levels of... Yeah, like, when you intervene with your guys and stuff. Right, right. And it's, like, that's when you do treatment and rehabilitation is when you're on those lower levels. Yeah, because when he went into that youth correction place at 14, if they would have done things differently, maybe he wouldn't have come back out, you know, committing armed robberies and stuff again. But he just learned to do the same thing in there. Well, exactly. And, like, I don't know. I, I think I'm conflicted, too. Is like, if you take a human life, do you get that chance again? Unless... No, for sure. I mean, there and are I definitely agree. circumstances, yeah. but... Yeah. It's the problem of our system. I mean... I mean, the first committer... Or the first murder that he did commit was just because this guy didn't want to do what the Aryan Brotherhood wanted him to do. Exactly. And that, that I'm like, okay, well, you already crossed the line there. The others, I feel like it was definitely the messed up mentality of like i gotta do this or i'm gonna get killed myself kind of thing well right and like i think it's interesting too so when you look at our prison system there are like seven different philosophies and i forgive me if i don't quite remember all of them but it's like rehabilitation retribution um incapacitation like just does that make sense yeah yeah yeah. i don't again i don't remember them all now this was that class you didn't pay attention to no this was a class i did pay attention to (laughs) I don't like judicial. I was trying to give you a pass, Taylor. <laughs> I know. It's just been a really long time now. I like corrections. I don't like judicial. Anyway, doesn't matter. 
But the thing is, is most other countries operate under one philosophy. So rehabilitation, restoration. Okay. Anyway. <laughs> they're like coming to you. Yeah. They're coming to me all of a sudden. <laughs> but most countries operate under one. They choose yeah. one. So we focus on rehabilitation. We get people back out no matter what. Right. The United States, we don't know what the fuck we're doing. So we operate under all seven. Mm. Which effectively does nothing. Yeah, it's like not working. <laughs> exactly. Clearly. So, yeah. <sighs> anyway, I thought that case was very interesting. That was a good case. I thought it was a good segue into your case. <laughs> so. We already screwed. Like, they already screwed. Yeah. We're not even going to start with the family or anything like that. We just going in. Per- yep, yep. Okay, well, I guess we'll just go ahead and start with mine. That's It's a printed out version because I never got to type it. So we'll see how this goes. It's interesting. (laughs) I love it. Okay. So we are going to be in the Florence Supermax where we ended with Nikki's story. Yep. Mm -hmm. Here in Colorado. And this is going to take place on April 21st, 2005. Um, So in Florence, Colorado. Now, basically, all this is going to take place in the rec yard. Okay. And in this rec yard... There's cameras positioned almost everywhere. And you actually have guards up top that watch yep. the cameras and try and make sure nothing goes awry. Right, because it's super max. So yes. they've designed it to be able to see everything at all times. Exactly. And then there's even another person that you can radio that controls all the doors. Like, it's it's pretty intense. Um. Anyway, though, in this super max, altercations among inmates were exceedingly rare. And there had never been any deadly ones at this point in time, okay. like 2005. And no one had ever even tried to escape, really. Yeah, that's... and it was it was built in uh, 1994. I don't want to edit. God damn it. This is pretty soon. Let me see. <clears throat> I really hate this. <laughs> Someday we'll have a record of the word. Okay. I'll have to edit my dogs again because life. <clears throat> anyway, so yeah, Supermax, insane in the membrane. Insane in the membrane. Insane. Okay, great. In the brain. In the brain. <laughs> so the ADX in Florence had actually been nicknamed the Alcatraz of the Rockies. Um, I, I did read something along those lines as well. Insane, right? <laughs> oh, ho, ho. Um, typically serial killers, terrorists, drug kingpins, anybody that's considered too dangerous to be anywhere else ends up in a supermax. And there's not many across the states. Yeah, it's kind of scary. We have the Unabomber. We have the Boston Marathon. Oh, was I about to read? Sorry, go, go. No, you are I on took it. your side. Sorry. I just, because I read, I did the same. Anyway, go. No, you're awesome. No, good job. So we have about 400 inmates and all of them are men. Among them is Ted Gazinski, the yep. Unabomber. Yep. Um... Rami Yosef, who plotted the 1993 World Trade Center attack. Terry Nichols, the um, Oklahoma City yep. bombing. Yep. Um, and Timothy McVeigh was actually there for a little while before he was transferred to death row. Um, and some of the less known people there, like some people like white supremacists who would do like prison murders. Mm-hmm. Um, and even like cult leaders convicted of sex trafficking, child molestation. We even had the real-life um, Hannibal Lecter for a while at, at the Florence oh. Supermax. Oh. Yeah. 
fucking scary you know who else is uh which kind of surprised me but who else gets put there mm. i saw were um like former cia agents and oh, yeah, yeah. people like that that turned against us yeah they don't take that shit like lightly lightly no 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 <laughs> sorry that's really loud i need to breathe i'm not breathing we're pugging out we are pu- well i'm not even pugging i'm just like talking really fast i need to chill out <sighs> So it's located about an hour south of Colorado Springs. It's designed to keep inmates completely isolated from each other, like you were saying. Yeah. Um, They're in solitary confinement for upwards of 20 hours per day. And it has thick concrete walls in their cells, remote-controlled steel doors, razor wire fences, attack dogs, and armed guards. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, Back in 2005, nobody was really allowed to be in the rec yard for like more than an hour or two each day and it was really controlled who they allowed in the rec yard together obviously because it's like yeah i'd be very very careful like there was a whole team that would go over like gang involvement arrest records look through their mail look through their phone um just just to make sure like they can't like oh if you seem like you're being sketchy towards this person at all you're not allowed you can't be there yeah yeah so unlike what they were doing in leavenworth yeah, no, yeah. they were just letting them go yeah. there. <laughs> yeah, there it was like the Hunger Games, and they were the prison guards were like taking bets. Right, I know. Here it's like <laughs> they actually care here. Yeah, actually, so my main source I used for this was written kind of like a narrative about the guard and the people who like investigated this, mm-hmm. and it kind of tells you about like the people. And it's kind of cool. Anyway, um, that morning, one of the people were. I shouldn't say people, the group, eight men were allowed out in the rec yard that morning. Okay. They were all part of the Mexican Mafia, which is also lo- also known as La Emmy. So M in Spanish. M. 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 They consist of hardened drug traffickers, killers, um, and were a very powerful gang. Many were tattooed with a black hand, and that meant that they had made their bones, meaning they've been initiated and probably have already killed somebody. Their bones. Their bones. (laughs) The bare bones. (laughs) So going back to the cameras, um, the cameras have video but no audio. And the camera, cameras, like, the guards would often zoom in on hands and feet to make sure nothing was happening. Make sure we had no contraband. Make sure we're not passing things. Yeah. Trying to be safe, right? At around 821, one of the guards thought they had seen something. And when they spun the camera to the left and zoomed in, there was in the corner was an inmate laying on the ground. And he did not appear to be moving. Oh, shit. <sighs> yeah. So the guy that controls all the doors, he has two phones. He has a regular, I got two phones. Anyway. <laughs> so he's got a regular phone where people can call him and talk to him about everyday stuff, opening doors. Yes. But then there's a red phone. Red phone initiates like lockdown and like something very serious is going on. Um, it was like in his 20 years he had been there or something. He'd only had it once. Oh, geez. But on this morning, the red phone rang. It was the phone is rang um, triple deuces. Which is interesting to me. I don't know why. <laughs> um, Deuce. Deuces. Deuces. You out of here. When he picked up the phone, they said that there was a fight in the rec yard and that there were inmates on the ground, is what he heard on the end of the line. The Shit. guy announced the emergency on a system that overrode all radio communications in the prison. 
he basically started unlocking the doors that would clear past so that the officers can get where they needed to go. Yeah. And they could get into that wreck yard. He also, outside of his office, rolled a card of less lethal weapons. So guns that fired pepper spray ball, pepper spray balls or tear, tear gas. Oh my God, I can't talk today. But Frank. As, <laughs> yeah, you're right. But as guards ran past, they basically could just grab it and go. Oh, okay, yeah. When they got there, um, most of the inmates looked relaxed. They just were still exercising and doing their thing. They were just pretending. Oh, like they either, like they legitimately didn't know what had happened or they were pretending. Both. Like, I think it was a mix of both. (laughs) I know. Um, The policy ADX required a three to one staff to ratio yard. Or three to staff. Three personnel to. Three staff to man ratio. Yes. So they couldn't just go into the yard because they didn't have enough people. Right. And, you know, by doing so, they'd be putting themselves at risk. Absolutely. So what they had is they had everybody get down on their stomachs and they would call each inmate by name. They would then walk to the gate, put their hands behind their back. They would handcuff them and escort them out. That's intense. Yeah, it's it's intense. At 8.33 a.m., about 12 minutes after they initiated the triple deuces alert, they had removed enough prisoners to overtake the area. As they started to, like, go in and surround, an actual, like, a nurse came out and started to, like, get the inmate 12 minutes after he's already been on the ground. Oof. Which is, like, think about that. That sucks. But, I mean, think about if they would have just thrown all their protocols out the window and just rushed in there. What oh, yeah. could have actually happened to all of them? Oh, yes. Um, she ran right over to the guy that was on the ground. Um, his body was folded against a wall. There was blood splattered on the cement around his head, and he wasn't breathing. He did. He did, though. He did, though. He's like a fish. He's belly up. So... She was saying she's never seen anything like this. She couldn't tell who the man was, and she knew almost everybody there because she'd been there for six and a half years. Um, his skin was blackened from bruising, um, and he was so swollen, you couldn't literally tell who he was. So did they, like, beat him to death? You'll see. Oh. And so typically when you're trying to tell if someone's alive, you'll open their eyes and shine a light. If your pupils dilate, you still have brain activity. But his eyes were so swollen, she couldn't get them open. Oh god yeah so they took him out um they basically tried to revive him for 22 minutes with cbr nothing was working even in intubation and they tried to use epinephrine Mm. nothing was working he gone he gone but they can't declare him dead on the spot they actually take him to emergency room due to policy and if sure a doctor has to declare him so just after 10 a.m an er doctor called his time of death so now we they were looking at something they never had done before. Their very first homicide inside of ADX. Which is crazy. Yeah. Yeah. So what it was determined is the killer had used his fists and feet to pummel the guy to death. So literally beat him to death. They had no shanks or anything. What I don't understand, though, is, is like, how did the guard not see this? The yeah. guard that's watching the cameras. Well, it'll go over that. Oh, okay. I was going to say that and the other guards that are there. Like, how did nobody see this? Yeah. So the investigators started sitting down the men in the yard one by one. Yeah. Um, Most of them refused to talk or they said they weren't interested. Some of them (laughs) just stared at him. That's how legit prison gigs are. I was going to say, why would you? Yeah. Yeah. Um, According to the 
that was like oh my god the investigator <laughs> he said it felt very calculated like they were all following orders on how to deal with this uh yeah you said they were, it was a prison gang and they were see that's the other thing is why were they all as a prison gang allowed out there together because they figured that if they were all part of the same prison gang it would be okay right but then they could be without any audio on on uh, the cameras who knows what they're cooking up clearly yeah i don't know i don't think i like that i i uh, yep i see like both it. sides of it yeah i see both sides of it too but i don't like it <laughs> so basically this this investigator sought out or set out to like prove that a conspiracy theory went down in one of the most secure prison facilities in america yeah uh, uh going back to a little bit about adx florence it was a 60 million state-of-the-art facility Mm. shit it costs a lot of money peanuts that's what my private jet costs i know right (laughs) (laughs) so the general population cells were almost completely cement and contained a concrete slab bed with just a thin mattress a stool that you could not move somewhere to write a toilet and a sink um to avoid having guards to pull them out of their cells to get them to the shower block they had a time shower in their cells oh each cell had a single window and two doors an interior gate and a solid exterior shit yeah yeah i mean this is no joke the it like because of what it is and how because they had the two doors inmates could not slide anything in or out i was just gonna i literally was just thinking to myself so how did they orchestrate this whole thing without even being able to really talk to each other other than their time that they got in the yard together. Yep. So meals were delivered Ugh. directly to prisoners three times a day, and they would just put it in between those two doors. And there was basically no reason for men to leave their cell, except for when they got to do rec time. Oh, God. Yeah. It's vicious. Yeah. So what would solitary confinement then consist of in a place like this? Or is it all solitary confinement? It's all solitary confinement until you go to the yard for rec time. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. I don't actually want to talk about that. <laughs> Sorry. It was just the, it was how La Emmy came to be. Oh, okay. Yeah. But it doesn't really matter. It was a bunch of juveniles that started it and then it became quickly one of the most, um, do you want me to pause? No. Oh, <laughs> sorry. It I was be- actually holding it so it didn't make noise, but going you off. totally gave it all away anyway. Sorry. That's my best friend calling me. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it quickly became one of the most powerful prison gangs. Okay. Yeah. So, eventually, they figured out that the person that had been killed was a married father for Torres, who was nicknamed Toddy. The dude was in his 50s. Um, so he had been in and out of prisons all his life. Yeah. Um, and his kids only got to know him in like quick little spurts when he was out of prison. Which makes a lot of sense. So what did he do? Like he just because of his life of crime and that's how he ended up at Supermax? Yeah, like there was a lot and he was a big part of the little Emmy, which I think it gets into it mm. about just like he was even so the Rico Act which was this huge act of here it is racketeer influenced and corrupt organizations yeah um it was created to basically take down these types of mafias yeah 
And he was a huge part of it. So he was one of like the 27 people indicted under the RICO Act. Oh, geez. Yeah. Manuel Torres. Manuel. Um, it's kind of interesting. He, he really attempted to just shield his family from the gang. Like he did not involve them. Okay. Um, he told his kids that he couldn't be the role model of a nine to five, but he could be the role model of what to what happens when you continue to take the same path over and over. Um, he said, I've done enough time for everybody to his kids quite often. Jesus. Um, so he was indicted under the RICO Act for a range of allegations involving homicide, assault, extortion, and possession of drugs and weapons. They were saying that under the RICO Act that Toddy was huge, like he was a huge grab from this um, yeah he like long- he was one of the biggest influencers and yeah longtime mafioso and he had been suspected of ordering multiple hits on people that's like um um help me out here uh pablo escobar oh yeah, yeah. he was like a pablo escobar essentially kind of For people who don't know him they but they know that name it's he's like a pablo- El chapo yeah who also is at he got transferred to the max here in florence uh in july really yeah so, he is, but he's, like, a part of an organization, whereas, right, like, right, El Chapo right. and they, they, they ran it. Yeah, they, yeah, yeah. Um, he pleaded guilty among all those things and was sentenced to 13 years at Lompoc in Santa Barbara. Uh, he basically was so high up in the Mexican mafia, he was able to take charge of an entire wreck yard, which is, like, a super coveted leadership role. Um, he didn't have to do any of the dirty work anymore. He just kind of oversaw things. So as far as drug deals, assaults, <laughs> yeah, yep. you know, all those things. Um, when it was finally, when it, they finally realized that he had this much power, like the guards and stuff, they ended up moving him as far as they could away from the La Emmy. Mm. But then they let him be with them again. I don't. That's what I'm saying. Like, I don't understand then why let them all be together. Yep. It doesn't make sense, especially if you're transferring him because he's too close to them or has that much power. Then the people here drop the ball and they should have looked at it and been like, oh, well, if he's that much of an influencer, then he definitely should not have to be able to spend time with them. Right. So I don't know why they. Yeah. Anyway. Anyway, that's how we got moved to the ADX in Florence. Yeah. I find it super interesting. Um, <clears throat> at this time, he was 60. Holy shit. And he was that huge still. Damn. As a 60-year-old man. And he had his, he even had four grandkids at home. What is with your filleting arms I don't today? know. I'm just, <laughs> I get this story, like, actually, for some reason, I find it so I interesting. I know. Safe th- well, that's why, like, with mine, I found it interesting, too, anyway. That, and you gave me a Red Bull, which I haven't been drinking them, so I'm like. <laughs> so you're a little buzzing. <laughs> Ooh, I'm going to hyperventilate. Wow. Breathe. Breathe. CPR. <laughs> Clear. Okay. I lost my place. <laughs> this is quality podcasting right here, y'all. Yeah. This is why it's really hard to read from a paper, though, because you kind of lose your spot. Um, they realized as they were clearing people out of the wreck yard that morning that one of the prisoners actually had blood spattered all over his shoes. This man was named... Richard Chugo? Chugo? C-H-U-C-O? Santiago. <laughs> I sound so white, and then I'm like, Santiago. Chugo Santiago. <laughs> okay. Um, 
when Garbs actually arrived at his cell after everything was like under control, he had stripped down to his boxers and was cleaning his clothes and shoes in the toilet. Yeah, that doesn't look sketch balls at all, sir. Um, when officers, what it's called a Sally Port, it's that in between the two yeah, doors. Yeah, yeah. Um, when officers entered the Sally Port, he was basically like, "What do you want?" and was super aggressive, like and... aggressive about it. And they ordered him to stop, and he looked right at them and kept going. <laughs> Clearly, he does what he wants. <laughs> I do what I want, bitches. He was threatened with, like, forceful extraction from his cell, and then he did comply. So, it was like, let me threaten you, and then it'll be all right. Always. <laughs> so, the guards didn't consent consider Santiago, like, any kind of troublemaker. He typically followed the Prior rules. Prior to, yeah. Prior to this, Yeah. Um, they thought he was, like, he usually didn't ignore orders. He was polite. He was respectful. Like, they actually really liked him. So, when Santiago was committed for the crime that put him away for life, he was already in prison. Uh, yep, there we go. Another yeah. one. On January 25th, 1989, he stabbed another inmate to death while working in the kitchen at Lompoc. Yep. DNA linked him to the crime, and his roommate actually testified at his trial. <laughs> Um, yeah so he, he testified at his trial and said that Santiago had asked him what it would take to be into a prison gang so they're assuming that this was his initiation got it yep going back to the morning of the next thing that they do after moving Santiago to a different holding area because they realized he had blood on him yeah is they started to look at the tapes at 8.15 a.m., six minutes before anybody noticed that Torres was on the ground, he was doing toe touches near a camera in the corner of the yard. Santiago and another inmate, Sylvester Chicali Riviera. <laughs> These people and their nicknames, I swear. I like it. <laughs> <laughs> we're about 10 feet away from uh, Torres. Riviera was swinging his arms in a windmill motion and kind of just like warming up for a workout. You know, you like do like shoulder yeah. circles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Boom, boom, boom. Um, I don't know what that was <laughs> with my little chicken wing as I was doing it. Yeah, boom, I know. Boom, boom. <laughs> uh, at this point, Santiago went up to Torres alone. And at this point, Torres appeared to reach out to shake Santiago's hand. Oh, to shake his hand? Yep. That's when Santiago immediately punched him. <laughs> the blow pushed Torres back directly underneath the camera, and it made it impossible for anyone to see. Ah, uh, uh-huh, uh-huh. Yep. I bet you they fixed that after this. Yeah. The only other camera was in the far corner, which made it difficult for anybody to see what happened next. Riviera and Santiago punching and kicking Torres in the ribs and head for two minutes straight. Shit. The attackers would take breaks, walking away from their victim. At one point, Santiago even took a sip from a water bottle. <gasps> I know. But then went back to kick him some more and punch him more. Um, Torres's body jolted with each impact, but otherwise it did not move. Oh, my God. Four minutes after the final phase of the assault is when everyone arrived in the yard. Jesus. Yeah. When officers went to get Riviera from his cell, he appeared to be shaking. The 47-year-old had never been charged with murder, and he had first gone to prison in 1979 when he was 21 for committing a string of bank robberies. <laughs> he had a drug addiction, um, and he had different write-ups for just assaults, 
peddling illegal drugs, and cooking a 25-gallon batch of contraband wine, a.k.a. hooch. (laughs) Sounds like my kind of guy. Yeah. (laughs) It's gross. Do you know how to make hooch? No. (laughs) You need, like, fermented fruit, yeast, and sugar. Oh. It's disgusting. Not that I've tried it, but, like, I've seen the, (laughs) like, we've found a bottle before, and it's all chunky and gross. Ew. Yeah. Um. At another facility, he tried to escape using a hacksaw to get out the window, which I don't know where you got a hacksaw yeah, from. Yeah, where did he get a hacksaw? Okay, fail on that so you're, <laughs> that system. Yeah. <laughs> um, he basically went to the ADX for beating and biting inmates and getting caught with heroin. Oh, so being Mike Tyson. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, pretty much, right? Just bit off some ears. That's what he made his heroin with. <laughs> I know how heroin works. It's fine. okay so the day after this murder while he was moving between like units they're moving into it like a special disciplined unit after this and riviera turned to the guards and said i know you guys are mad at me for what i did when the Uh... guard yeah when one of the guards didn't respond he said riviera said well i'm at rec i heard that this was the first at this facility is that true what are you talking about an officer responded what i did i heard it made the news (gasps) yeah so Santiago was already serving life in prison. Riviera had another 15 years behind bars, and in the grand scheme of their lives, they pleaded for it. Not a big deal. It wouldn't mean that much to them at this point. Yeah. Um, the government wanted to send a message to gangs to stop killing behind bars. So they were trying to figure out what to do with them, and one possibility was just death. Yeah, sentence them to death. Okay. Yum. Do we have the death penalty in Colorado? Oh, yeah. I didn't know if we did or not. Yep. We do. Okay. Okay. But requesting to do this was going to take more than that greeny surveillance footage. Um, it requires proving intent and premeditation. Mm. So this begins like the super long, <clears throat> and I don't even think I need to get in with it, but gets into this whole idea that, that the Mexican mafia greenlit Torres basically that they wanted to order a hit on him because supposedly a while back like almost 20 years back that's how long this shit takes right jesus um almost 20 years back he had ordered a hit unilaterally unilaterally yep i got you which is like not okay which is not allowed yeah no no you don't you it's like you can do hits underneath of you but not somebody that shares the same power and position as you or above or above exactly yeah exactly so that was the theory was that they were killing him for doing that oh okay yeah yeah but because they're in supermax it takes 20 years to even get that through to anybody (laughs) yeah you know and so they were actually saying that so santiago had just gotten there about a week before this all went down so they were actually calling santiago torpedo which means he was somebody that carried the message over oh okay yeah he was one that like he did whatever he so they gave him the message and then he did whatever he had to do to get transferred and then get it done and then get it done yep 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 this theory means that a high-ranking mafioso ordered it on torres yeah yeah um they It's interesting. So they talk a lot about how, like, a copy of the Mexican Mafia hits that were approved. Um, They have a copy of it that, like, surfaces every now and then that, like, FBI agents will find. And it's 15 pages long. Jesus. Yeah. 
Yeah. Um, we are not fucking around. <laughs> no. No. Um, so that's kind of where this investigator was trying to go. Uh, according to this, that would mean Torres was murdered in 2005 for something he'd done in the 1990s. It's not unheard of. Um, it can take information about an offense years to circulate and even longer for a leader to sign off on a hit. Basically because this is such a secretive gang. Oh, I'm sorry. It wasn't Santiago that was the torpedo. It was Riviera. Oh, okay. Santiago had already been there. Like they said that he thought he was the I gotcha. And Riviera was the... Yeah, okay. He was the newcomer. That was my fault. It was... It's It's interesting. I don't know. This whole thing is... Like, when I think about gangs, it just astounds me. Anyway... So they, they like, the morning of, they went to go outside into the yard. Okay. Torres and Santiago made it out just fine. Yeah. Out of clerical oversight, they left Riviera in his cell. Oh. And this is the morning they planned to do it. So you can actually watch the footage, or we can't. We don't have access to it. But they watched the footage. <laughs> and Santiago was standing outside of Riviera's cell, like, on the outside of the building because he's, his window went into the rec yard. Oh. And you could see them trying to communicate between it. There's a lot of things I don't want to go into now that I'm, like, here. Okay. <laughs> oh. Anyway, a bunch of people got into this saying that they don't believe there should be the death penalty. Oh, wow. Well. You know, all kinds of things. What happened was, is the investigator and the district attorney were trying to go with the green light theory, the green light theory, that they killed Torres for a hit. Yeah. And that would mean, like, this big conspiracy, and they had to get into it. And after, like, seven years of working on the case, the prosecutor died of a heart attack. Oh, my God. So, during this, they decided to, like, the investigator actually gave it to his wife. Because they're from the FBI, and he was like, I just don't know if I can go on without this prosecutor. Like, we worked so hard on it together, yada, yada. His wife decides to just trash the entire green light theory because it's, like, it's too risky to her in the court of law. Because it's, yeah. like, we're trying to basically prove this whole thing. So they decided to go ahead and just do it with, like, yeah, you can clearly see these people punching and kicking him. Yeah, yeah. Like, and that he would come back and forth. Uh. When the prosecutor in the trial, so on April 6, 2015, oh, geez. is when this trial finally goes down. That's crazy. Uh, the jury was sequestered and anonymous, and each member was assigned a four-digit number affixed with his or her initials. And that's because the Mexican mafia is scary AF. <laughs> yeah, and so, like, they don't want them to be able to know anybody's information. Yes, because yeah. God only knows what could happen to them on the outside as well. Exactly. Oof, I would never want to be on a jury like that. Never. Yeah. yeah. Oof. So, the defense was pretty pissed off during this trial because they're painting Torres as somebody who's, like, this good father and is wholesome and it isn't, like... Didn't deserve what happened to him. Right. Right. Whereas they're, they say like they completely humanized Torres while animalizing um, Riviera and Santiago. Um, They're all animals. 
<laughs> what the defense tries to say is that the plan was for Torres to murder Riviera the whole time. Oh. It was really... But then how did... It's see, I don't know where they came up with this, and there's, like, no evidence leading to I was going to say, that. then how did Santiago get involved, and how did he end up killing Torres? Yeah, no, I don't know about all that. They're claiming self-defense, essentially. Oh, uh-huh. Yeah. It's like... Or trying to, anyway. A paramedic had testified that the only instances when he witnessed this much trauma on somebody is when people would jump off the Royal Gorge. Jesus! Yeah. Fuck. That's yeah. brutal. Yeah. That's brutal. Isn't it? <sighs> I don't like that at all. That stresses yeah. me out. Yeah. I know. There were different, like... <laughs> There were different inmates that, like, stood behind Riviera, which is interesting to me. Like, saying, like, oh, yeah, Torres asked me to help him kill Riviera. Da, da, da. And it's like... Well, they probably had to at that point, or who knows if they're next. Yeah. Yeah. Like, even to the extent of, like, one of the inmates was like, oh, yeah, I have a letter that said that Torres wanted me to help, but I flushed it. And it's mm. like, no. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No. You lying-ass bitches. Um, this same inmate was like, oh yeah, Torres would have a metal bar on him so that he could do the hit. No, he had nothing on him. I was gonna say, where did he get the metal bar that nobody knew about? Yeah, right? Um, I'm, here's a picture of, that's Torres. He looks like a sweet old man, doesn't he? He kind of does look like a sweet old man, which is so deceiving because God only knows, like, the number of people that he killed or had killed in his time of being. Yeah. But it's the glasses. It's the glasses. <laughs> well, and the fact that he's, like, six. He's wearing some, like, he's rocking some, like, Wayfair. No, well, yeah, like the metal Wayfarers from Ray-Ban. Yeah, and so he's smiling. Yeah, exactly. like, yeah. handlebar mustache. Yep. So after a full day of deliberation followed by a night of rest, the jury reconvened at 8.30 a.m. on April 21st, 2015, exactly 10 years after his murder. Shit. Yup. Yup. Um, at 12.02 p.m., the jurors sent word to the judge that they had a question. The question was, would you consider providing us the ability to consider a charge lesser to the degree of murder in or to the first degree? Um... Basically, Riviera said, I don't want you to consider another charge. Oh. He's like, fuck it. I'm going down for this. Yep. Okay. So his only chance of seeing the outside world again would be beat the charge. So he was like, I'm either beating it or I'm going away for life. Oh my gosh. Dude. So he just wanted... so he decided he was just gonna try and beat the charge altogether because that's the only way he was gonna ever go outside again (laughs) at 523 the jury returned its verdict guilty they had failed their gamble basically of like oh i'm gonna be just done with it yeah oh they felt that there had been they basically riviera had claimed self-defense yeah but Based on the fact that when you watch the video, they just continue to kick him when there's no threat. After Yeah, right. Exactly. Like, him. if it's self-defense, like, you're going to just do what you have to do to defend yourself, obviously, and then you're going to be done. You're not going to keep going after them. 
Yeah. Um, so you... Basically, that didn't work at all. And no one even spoke about the green light theory. They just said that he murdered him. What I thought was funny is so the first investigator and his wife that night, because his wife was the one that he started it and she ended it. Yeah. And they said they decided to get a special bottle of wine to share. And they, he said, we're pretty simple. So special is not a $200 bottle. There's a line of California wines called 19 Crimes. Each label bears the <laughs> yes! backstory of a legendary conflict. And they drank a Cabernet called Prisoner, which is about $20. And I think that's really cool. <laughs> We've had that wine. We have had that wine. I yes. thought it was fun. Um, in the end, no one got the chance to make the same de- case in Santiago's defense because um, a few months after Riviera's trial, the government offered Santiago the ability to plead or ability to plead guilty and to avoid the death penalty, and he did. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of interesting. They sent Riviera up, and he was like the test mule, and then Santiago got to choose what he wanted to do after like how it went. Yeah, yeah. Interesting, right? The day after the crime, the warden ended group wreck for good. Mm-hmm. They would have access one by one to chain link fe- cages erected in the yards. Oh, fuck. Yeah, so it got even worse. But yeah, like this is what happens. You now get to see no one ever. Shit. And that's that's the story. Good job. Thank you. Wasn't that one good? That one was, I liked this week's for sure. Yeah. Because again, it wasn't like anything too crazy per se, but like it it just goes to show even in something like Supermax, shit can happen. If you want to commit crime, you're going to commit crime. Yeah. And and I think it's also good to, to note that like both of our cases dealt with people that like they went in there, well, some of them went in, you know, for petty whatever and then they turned into murderers and stuff it's yeah. crazy yeah so crazy insane <gasps> all right are you ready to lighten the mood i'm ready uh, let's do that corky clipping corky clipping Ooh. 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 okay so florida man arrested for dui florida man claims he only drank at stoplights and not while driving <laughs> oh my god <laughs> that's not how that works how any of this works <laughs> any of this works oh my god well that's his logic i mean i guess whatever Okay, so a foul blow. A Queenstown man has been arrested for assault after a fight allegedly broke out after he farted in bed and his wife sprayed him with air freshener. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Our parents. (laughs) Couldn't you see our mom spraying? Oh, yeah. She she sprays everybody with air freshener. Oh, I know. (laughs) It's crazy. That's hilarious. Okay, this one's titled The Most Russian Thing I've Ever Seen. Yes. Pregnant Russian woman gives birth in forest while officers fight off bears. Oh my God. (laughs) That is very Russian. I love it. And last one. Cops realize tiger is a stuffed animal after 45 minute standoff. (laughs) Look at here's the picture of it. Oh my God. How Oh He's been 45 minutes thinking it was a real tiger that, what, just didn't move? move? That's what I was going to say. <laughs> wow. I have a lot of thoughts about that. So anyway, those are our quirky clippings this week. <laughs> what? Oh, my God. How do you do that? I, I Seriously. I. Anyway. That's something, isn't it? <laughs> Oh, all right. Well, good, good this week, right? Good job. Sorry it was delayed, everybody. Here it is. Coming at you. 
Coming at your hat. Coming at your hat. And uh, stay tuned because we will have another episode that will release on Friday. On Friday. We missed you all. Yes, we did. I think we're just going to, I'm just going to give you the the scoop, the 411. We're doing mommy issues on Friday. Yes. Yes, I'm excited about that. Um, Today was also our 20th episode. Yes, it was. We also have an odd. Finally, another Patreon besides say. our mother. <laughs> Matthew Franklin. <laughs> Thank you so much. Thank you, Matthew. We appreciate um, it. We're excited. So, yeah, we'll see you guys uh, later this week. Yes. Goodbye. Bye. Bye.